Good evening. It is 6 p.m. and you're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM and in Ahalem, Wheeler, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. I want to give it up to the wonderful uh, mating calls for yet another edition of uh, of their show. Um, you know, it doesn't take both of them to, uh, you know, they say it takes two to make the thing go right, as, uh, as it was said once upon a time, but... Uh, you know, it only takes one to make it out of sight, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, to comes to the uh, mating calls, folks. Just the way that I feel, since I am uh, usually a lonely party of one, except for when I have uh, friends here in the studio with me, like or occasionally a ten-year-old uh, co-host um, who shows up from time to time and uh, quietly, uh, you know, sighs under his breath and does all the things that ten-year-olds do. But I am joined tonight by uh, my longtime friend. Actually, we met, uh, we were just actually talking about this moments ago, uh, 26 years ago uh, this year, Mr. Sean Kelly. What's up? Sean, it's great to have you. Great to be here. Sean is a uh, a former Pacific Northwesterner who uh, made a sort of brief detour down to uh, the uh, Southern California region where he actually is from, which we'll get into here. Is 15 years brief? I mean, it, it's, it, it feels, is pretty brief. It feels like yesterday, it really. I know. It's true. So, yes, brief. <laughs> yeah, time is all relative. I had this thing where, like, during this ice storm this last week, you know, I had that thing where I was like, I'm a Midwesterner. I And I was like, I've actually lived on the West Coast longer than I ever lived in the Midwest. So I cannot claim that, like, I'm some great driver anymore, um, you know, when the streets are completely iced over. So, you know. Yeah, you are. How long have you lived in the Pacific Northwest? Uh, I moved here in 1998 when I met you. Yeah, you're so. a, you're a Pacific Northwesterner. Yeah, no, it's there's true. no way around it. I know. I like to claim otherwise, um, but uh, I am really psyched to have Sean here. Sean uh, and I worked together many many years ago. We first met um, when uh, we were both working at K Records in Olympia, Washington, um, a label that uh, gets an occasional shout on this show, um, and actually, you know, a few, and even one tonight, as a matter of fact, with one of the records that I brought. Um, but kind of the theme for uh, this, we had talked about when um, I had our mutual friend Jason Traeger on uh, a couple months ago uh, from the Traeger Method podcast. Um, originally, it was supposed to be uh, me, Jason, and Sean, and then things didn't kind of work out that way. Um, still had a wonderful time with Jason. Uh, not that I needed Sean to enjoy Jason. I just want to say. Too many cooks in the kitchen. It is too many cooks. Well, and now that you can see the size of the studio, it's 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 cozy in here, yeah. really. Yeah, way too many cooks in this kitchen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to sort of kind of talk through, uh, you know, a little bit of what we love about um, music and what came or what made us come to love music. Um, a forensic analysis. Exactly. Uh, we're going to go deep, folks. Um, as you know, uh, one of my favorite things to do here is talk about, uh, well, <laughs> talk about kind of the past and the things uh, Well, I play a lot of music from the past, so that only makes sense. And the things that, uh, you know, kind of made me excited, kept me interested and uh, brought me, you know, kind of to this very show. Um, and um, we're going to start things off, actually, with a track that, um, you know, I, uh, you know, we've we've had many conversations about, you know, a love of uh, a punk rock, which is what is kind of the def- like driving force behind um my love of music to this day, even though I wouldn't say that outside of my old punk records, I would listen to things that, you know, you young kids might consider punk for whatever that means or it's all connected. 
Who knows anymore? It all anymore. ends up being connected. But this this particular band is one that, um, for me personally, uh, really kind of, because of my love of uh, punk rock and then skateboarding, I first saw an ad for this in uh, in Thrasher magazine. Not this record in particular, um, but an ad for this band, and uh, and heard uh, heard this record when I was in about seventh gr- uh, sixth grade. So yeah, it would have been uh, would have been about 11, 12 years old. And um, I absolutely still to this day think this is one of the greatest punk records um, of all time, personally, um, as far as American punk rock goes. Um, so we're going to start things off with a song by uh, Agent Orange called No Such Thing. And uh, we will uh, be back shortly with more from me and Sean. Thanks so much for tuning in. You're listening to Punk House Radio here on X-Ray FM. <laughs>
miles from where I dwell She's an angel of the dark Born and raised in hell Reckless feelings Palms for the dead Mounting passion senses reeling Love is nothing but carnival stealing You'll see
be up front, gotta be so close to trust, it's got to be up front, gotta be so close to touch, it's got to be up front, be so close to trust, it's got to be up front, got to be so close to trust, it's got to be up front. All right, of course, you just heard the Wipers, Portland Zone, with the song up front from their uh, debut LP, Is This Real, which uh, found a new life through Jackpot Records here in Portland, a record store that I actually worked at um, in my early years here in Portland. Uh, it's been super exciting to see them sort of grow into a label and see Isaac get to put out the kinds of records that uh, you know I know that he absolutely loves, including that one. Um, and uh, before that, you heard TSOL, which uh, you know Sean and I were just talking um, that particular record, uh, you know, I had a, an experience where being the age that I am, uh, you know, Sean and I are close enough in age, but I'm a couple years younger. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I was really kind of in like 86, 87 into like glam rock. And, um, you know, I was, uh, coming off of the high of, uh, you know, Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet. And, uh, oh dear. <laughs> I know, I know, I know that's, uh, you know. It's uh, it takes a lot to uh, you grow up in Indianapolis. It's sort of like actually, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but um, 
the video for Living on a Prayer is actually filmed in Market, well, what used to be Market Square Arena um, in Indianapolis. Look at and that. So, I know. Yeah. You learn a useless fact every day. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it's funny. <laughs> the first time I ever went to New Jersey, um, and by New Jersey, I mean south new jersey like the first time i went to the new jersey that was not like on the on the border of new york city um i was like oh this is like if you took the midwest and dropped it onto the east coast in all the best and worst ways and like of course like bon jovi was like yeah let's let's film our uh let's film this big music video in uh in so you were you were like into bon jovi oh i was definitely into bon jovi yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's fine yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's we, embarrassing. It's, well, it's only it's. I mean, it's funny too because you mentioned Jason. Jason and I, at that time, I lived with his family, and we were obsessed with Bon Jovi, but ridiculing Bon Jovi. Like it was our pastime. We almost spent more time ridiculing Bon Jovi and that MTV ilk. Oh, more yeah. more than we spent listening to other music we actually liked. It was it was real fun. It's uh, <laughs> you know it's funny because I actually um, so I have a story about um, and I actually still have the t shirt. Uh, so there was uh, my my mother was an occupational therapist in Indianapolis. Uh, she worked at a children's hospital, and uh, she worked with worked with this woman named Sandy DeLong, and uh, Sandy had um, a son named Steve DeLong. And uh, he was in this like hair metal band in like 85, 86 in Indianapolis uh, called Thrust with two yes. T's. Oh, yeah. It's, if you could see the demo tape cover, you'd really... I don't need to. I know what I yeah. already know what it looks like. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's uh... don't need to even see it. <laughs> My so, mind knows. And so uh, so, uh, you know, what happened was, you know, like uh, his um his father actually passed away tragically, unfortunately. And um, when I was young, my mom was like, you know, like, you know, of course, Sandy was this woman she worked with. And like, so she was like, she was like, oh, well, you know, I know you're into like this, this music. And, um, you know, Sandy's son also likes dressing like a girl, for lack of a better way of putting it in, uh, you know, 1980s Indiana terms. And, um, and he's in this band called you know, I don't think she knew what the name was. She's like, but you know, if you want to go with him. And so I went to this show and it was thrust and snow white, which was snow white with a Z. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think who actually played that show as well. Um, but so I went to this show and it was like, I mean, this kid was in high school, right. And he's got like long, like, perfectly like hairsprayed hair. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And I'm there with his do it unless you have that. And I'm there with his mom, which uh, is like such a funny thing to think about because like my parents, um, the only show they ever came to was like when I moved to um, when I moved to Olympia from Indianapolis, like my last show. I don't know if you remember my friend Dana, Mm -hmm. um, our band, uh, our last show in Indianapolis, like my parents came and I was like, this is weird. I don't know why I actually invited them to this. But at the same time, I was like, ah, you know, but I'm like, you know, my 20s and I'm moving away and whatever. And it's cool. They're here and everybody else thinks it's cool. But it's weird to think about like 1985 or 1986 in Indianapolis and you're in a hair metal band. You're like, there's my mom, you know. And so (laughs) so cut to, though, um, 
Thrust breaks up, and they start a new band called... It's a dark day. Dark <laughs> day in was, music history. It was, it was a sad, sad day. Um, that demo, sadly, I don't think it even exists on YouTube. Damn it! I know. I really, I was about to say, I want, we need to pull up Thrust, because I <laughs> yeah, want I to hear there's Thrust. A, there's a computer, well, you know what, I still, I think I still have that demo, as a matter of fact. Maybe I need to be the archivist for Terrible Indiana. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, so then uh, they started this band called Sweet F.A. I know that, yeah, I know that band. Yeah, they actually had a major label record. Well, that's it's it was a, that's a sweet song, right? No, who's yes. sweet? Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, so Sweet FA named themselves after that song, and they um, and I still remember it was Christmas Eve, and um, Steve DeLong, the singer of Sweet FA, previously Thrust, and then <laughs> the drummer, Tricky Sticks Lane. Yes, they came over to my house with an autographed T-shirt for me. Um, and this would have been probably, yeah, 87. I was 10 years old. Um, and, like, they came over with an autographed T-shirt on Christmas Eve. And there's photos of me in, like, a Indiana State Fair poison hat um, with a really sweet... Does this show, does this show have an Instagram? Does it have social media? It does. Because oh, yeah. that needs to get on there. <laughs> Everyone that's listening, demand I know. that... Jeremy to post it's, that picture. I know. Well, dude, if you could see those sweet glasses I had too, it's oh, like a whole, I'm going to oh. see. <laughs> it's it's a <laughs> it is a sweet it, like, and it's like right in front of the Christmas tree, which really kind of ties it all together. The funny thing about that though is that like, quite literally, less than a year later, I like disavowed all of that and was like immediately because I had started skateboarding around the time oh, yeah, I was yeah. ten, and it was like I very they don't quickly. Really go together. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, like some of my like skateboarder friends like Hanoi Rocks, which is like kind of yeah, in but that they same. were they were they were different. They, they were, were cool. They were they were the real deal. They yeah, were, no, they were they were they were far cooler. Yeah. But I look back on that though, and I'm still kind of in this mode of like it's like it's not quite horror because I'm just sort of like all right, well that was cool, and at the time I no, thought it was really great. cool. It's great. But then no also shame. at the same time, I'm like, oh, man, that was uh, that was a that Own was a time. That was a time. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, as uh, one of the things that uh, I love about doing the show, you know, I've been uh, on X-Ray now for, um, uh, well, actually over 10 years. Um, it took what? that long for me to get Sean on the show. Finally, That's after crazy. so much coercing, I kept sending him that sweet F.A. Christmas tree photo over and over again. Every holiday, it was like a holiday card I would send to him, and now he's finally here. Um, finally, finally got a big enough check. Yes, exactly. Huge check. I do write. I do write some big checks, and by that I mean like it's like a giant check for seventy-five cents, like the, right. the like the check that gets or presented to you when you won the uh, Publishers mm-hmm. Clearinghouse, but it's uh, it's significantly smaller in uh, total, <laughs> um, less zeros. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, one of the things I love about doing the show is like, uh, and I'll actually kind of talk about this is I love having people on to kind of talk about like sort of the path to music and the things that, you know, we love and the things that, you know, we loved when we were younger and the things we continue to love, like Thrust for me. Um, <laughs> and um, Thrust, 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 Thrust. <laughs> I know. Steve, if you're listening, love just it. Uh, all it takes, all it takes, you know, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll put that stuff right up on Bandcamp for you. Um, mastered from cassette. Um, but uh, I love talking about like just sort of like the the sort of how we get into music and what sort of really resonates with us and what keeps us in music. 
And um, as a matter of fact, the uh, one of the records that um, so originally this show was called uh, Mutant Pop Radio back when X-Ray started in beta, beta and it was uh, named after a compilation that I bought in a 499 bin, which I have with me, um, because it was uh, it was a compilation on fast records that featured like Gang of Four and Flowers and, and all these cool bands that, you know, I was getting into kind of at the time. Um, and I even... <laughs> I'm just going to interrupt for one second because Jason, who's listening, just sent me a um, a post on eBay, a listing on eBay for Thrust's first record. Thrust, called The Boys, That's with the a one. Z out. 1980s private Indianapolis hair metal vinyl rare exclamation exclamation there it is we got to get that oh, Jason thanks for the shout out I hope my eBay auction uh, closes thrust, with thrust, big numbers <laughs> I would never sell my thrust record <laughs> amazing sorry to interrupt no no no, no was, but uh but that was news everyone can use yeah, that is news everyone can use um and uh yeah head over to that auction um and uh please place your bids uh, it's not <laughs> gonna let you down um but uh you know i love again i love the the whole idea of like having uh you know good friends on and um you know whether it be uh people who are just sort of longtime friends of mine who i really respect what they do and i really respect them personally um you know i've had bands on here promoting uh you know records they're putting out it's just always cool to kind of talk about um, sort of how we come to be music lovers. So with that said, even though we're going to get to uh, some records that you brought in the next hour, uh, Sean, what like what's your earliest memory of music? Um, I think, well, that, it, it was really interesting when uh, you told me what you wanted to do because I love an origin story and it was really fun to just go, Oh, where did it start? What? How did I get to here? Like, is it possible to sort of pinpoint the decisive moments? And it was super easy. <laughs> it was really fun. But it was just like uh, my dad. I remember the first I remember was my dad had the soundtrack to American Graffiti, which had like, I think it had like 40 songs. And it was all the you know, the top 40 original rock and roll songs from the 50s. And that's it. That's what started me. Like, I, from the youngest age, as soon as I heard that, because I must have been like four or five, and I was just, I've never not been into rock and roll since that moment. That's so like, rad. That was, that was the origin. That's, I can't, I don't have any memory of music before that. You know, it's funny because, like, I feel like, and I don't know if, like, our parents ever felt this with, with us, but, like, you know, now, like, you and I both being dads, right? Like, uh, you know, Booker comes on the show, and, like, a lot of times the way that it, it sort of came into him coming on the show was um, he would come on on his birthday every year, and he would pick a record, and he would he would play that record, and I still have memories of him sitting where you're sitting right now, you know, with, with Liz, his mom, holding him on her lap and he's like putting on the Sesame Street record from 1979 he's like this song's <laughs> called Somebody Come and Play and I really love this song Cute. and he's like you know he's three years old right yeah. um, and um, and it's funny because now he's ten years old 
and the music that he listens to i'm just like oh man and like i have that moment where i'm like kind of want to be like no 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 like of course he's around music all the time like we we have music on like regularly like i have tons of records that are always on he's on this show whatever but then he gravitates towards what he gravitates towards and i you know i have that moment occasionally where i have to be like man it's not my job to police what yes it is <laughs> i know right <laughs> i want to say that right but at the same time then it's like oh man but at the same time like if you want to listen to uh marshmallow I don't know if you know who Marshmallow is. He's a I'm DJ. I'm sure who, I will. I have a two uh, and a half year old. I, I'm sure it's only a matter dude. of time. He's a DJ who literally wears like a marshmallow head. Okay, it's all the cool. thing. It's it's everything that I like. Yeah, I'm always like, I am. Uh, there's always a Minecraft tie-in too with him because he's ten. Um, the world is a very different place than it was, oh, you know, when, when we were ten. Right when my when my child is Booker's age, I, like I don't can't even imagine, right, <laughs> what I'm going to be dealing with. You know what I mean, I know, right, totally. Like yeah. my friend, a friend of mine, uh, when we were having a similar conversation, and I said the same thing. Uh, just I can't even imagine. He goes, "Oh, it'll be no big deal. Just a bunch of sex murder holograms." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh yeah, probably." Uh, yeah, no. It's let me tell you when you uh, get into your kid's browser history because you have that access. The the rabbit holes they go down will make you uh, stay up all night every night. <laughs> a crazy thing happened with with Ren, who is my daughter. Um, she, you know. I don't know. It's just programming. Like it, it must. It's an evil science. Children's music is an evil science because they yeah. all like the exact same thing. It's crazy, and she drives me crazy because as soon as she hears one of them, she wants to hear it obsessively. And I don't know. The other day we were driving around, and I had I just I was being a bad dad. And refused to play what she wanted to hear, and I put on the cramps, and I have like the little computer screen in the in the car, and it was the the cover to Bad Music for Bad People. Yeah, and she was listening, and she didn't complain. And then the next time we got in the car, she went, "Daddy, put on the monster music," and I'm like, "What monster music?" And she goes, "Monster music," and I was like. Does she mean the cramps? <laughs> and I put on the cramps, and she loves them. Her favorite song is Gugamuk, and she oh. she asks for it by name. She calls it The Moon Comes Up because of the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, going back it's to amazing. your, you know, discovering music through, you know, the music of the 1950s, right? Like, yeah. The cramps were it's primal. It's no, it primal totally is stuff. And it's, it's funny, too, because, like, I also think that weirdly for me, like, being a comic book uh, kid and lifetime comic book fan and now uh, what barely pays my bills um, you know uh, art always drew me in like I was always like as I sort of started to get more and more into things like I remember the first time I saw like I, like I, I definitely I'm going to be honest I definitely owned the bad music for bad people t-shirt before I owned the record yeah well, because I was like I know. image it's exactly. so cool so, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Cause like as much as we'd love to police our, uh, and, and influence our, our kids' music tastes, uh, you can only do so much, but and that can only backfire. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. That's it. Trust me. Yeah. I, uh, I know that firsthand. Although I will say, 
the Ramones, always a great kids band. Oh yeah, because it's like you know four four. It's I mean, sing sing I along. So. It's you know. Yeah. I hope she loves the Ramones. But that I, was. I'm, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it's going to be terrible, but you never know. Yeah, no, exactly. Hope anyway. for the best, expect the worst. Um, all right, so with that said, uh, what did I put? Oh, okay, so uh, this record in particular, and it actually took me a while to hear the original version of this song. The way that I heard this, um, this actually quite literally was my um, entree into punk rock. And why I say that is that in 1986, I saw the movie Thrashing, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in the soundtrack, I was Classic. like already excited about mm-hmm. right. Like I was again, you know, I was a young, uh, excited skateboarder kid in the Midwest, and this uh, movie came on, and I remember the scene of this. I actually love. I wish that uh, the version on the record was um, the same version that was on uh, the Thrashing soundtrack because. It starts with like Keith Morris sort of whispering the the lyrics and sort of starting off kind of mellow um, and then, you know, erupting into this. This still to this day, I remember watching this film and I remember just, you know, again, I was coming off a thrust. You know, the, the bar had been set very high. <laughs> the bar had been set high. But then I, I heard this song and also this scene in the movie, which also added to kind of that, like when you're like nine years old and you're, and I was just immediately, I was like, I don't know who the circle jerks are. I certainly don't know what that means. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to say it on the radio. Um, but I am like, I am all in. And to this day, like kudos going out to, to that band, to Keith Morris, because that is a dude who is still doing it. And yep. Yeah, coming off of uh, living in uh, in L.A. and living, you know, and saw, uh, him, have, saw him many, many times. He's just, just out, always, he's always around, out, always around, walking down the street. When I first moved there, he he worked at a restaurant that everyone went to, but yeah. then I think he got then he, he was an off right office, yeah, yeah, and then then they kind of got popular, so he didn't have to he didn't have to work. He didn't have to work anymore. anymore, you know, and it's like. It's one of those things where you you kind of you know I mean I guarantee you you know Steve DeLong from Thrust is not washing dishes somewhere but Keith Morris you know if uh, if things are you know quiet and the circuit jerks aren't touring I mean who knows you know there's I no- like I like how you're figuring out how to get Thrust into every aspect yeah. of this conversation and no complaints keep I mean, up the good work I mean it's a you know paid sponsor of this broadcast <laughs> um, their their record lo- label God knows what it was um, oh I can tell you. But yeah, so uh, this is uh, the Circle Dirks Wild in the Streets. You're listening to Punk House Radio here on X-Ray. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, Sean, for being here. Um, we got about uh, just about 20 minutes until the top of the hour, top of the hour so we will uh, play some tracks. And then actually Sean brought some, uh, some songs and some records that we're going to get into in the second hour. So we will get into that when we do. In the meantime, this is Keith Morris, the mayor of the east side of Los Angeles, and his band, The Circle Jerks, with Wild in the Streets.
All right, so uh, closing the loop on actually a conversation that uh, started earlier on here in the studio. Uh, that was Flowers by the Door by the band TSOL, um, who, again, I discovered thanks to uh, our friends in Thrust with two Ts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my love of uh, hair metal 
um, growing up in uh, in Indiana in the you know 1980s. Um, but uh, actually, you know, first was exposed to that was actually the first um, thrust or <laughs> the first thrust record. That was actually the first TSOL record. I'm so sorry, TSOL. Um, that uh, that I heard, and it was like I love the like weird sort of Jim Morrison worship of of that record that I feel like sort of kind of permeates yeah, it through Joe's that, vocals. That singer, the the second singer for TSOL, he had clearly had a Jim Morrison thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Because it went from like <clears throat> sort of like you know the the early like actually the first time that I saw TSOL beyond that record because I you know. Again, it's like information was in such a weird, different state at that point where it was like even like figuring out like, oh, what was the band that I likes record before that was like, you know, like going to a like zine or having a conversation with a friend and being like, oh, man, I love Dead Kennedys. Give me convenience or give me death. Like, what's another Dead Kennedys record that I've not heard or whatever? It wasn't like sort of like you just pull it up and it's like boop, 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 boop. And right. it's like, oh, yeah, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. That was their first record. And, you know, like it's like all that stuff. It's like so immediate now. So like TSOL for a long time existed as that record. And then the weird sort of because he was actually still in the in the glam rock version of that band, too. Right. Um, as the bass player at that point. Um, so it was actually not until I saw Suburbia that I actually heard uh, TSL previous to that record, like in the, and the like early kind of like more sort of like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, punk into like weird kind of goth into that version of that band. Right. So, which is kind of funny to think about. Okay. It's funny. The last time I saw TSOL, this is very interesting. It's very, uh, it's synchronicity. I'm not sure what how to describe it, but it's definitely related to our lives. I said I saw it was in 1991, 90, 91. I saw him. It was Fugazi. Oh man! And it was in L.A. at the Palladium, which was huge, huge show, like two thousand kids. I mean, huge for punk. Yeah, and uh, um. It was Fugazi, and opening was uh, TSOL, The Offspring, and the first band was Beat Happening, <laughs> our for our yeah. former employer. Yep. And I remember that show. TSOL was it was fine. They had like they had gone back to being a punk band because right. Nirvana had happened. So all those bands that went glam, yeah, or metal. They all got punk again when Nirvana hit. Of course. Um, so that show was crazy, and the first band was Beat Happening. I'd never heard of them. And uh, um, they came on, and they started being Beat Happening. And <laughs> everyone hated them, including me. I was just like, what is that? Can we swear on this? I'm no. Not, I'm not going to swear. <laughs> <laughs> what is beep? Um, I just it was just like, I didn't get it. You know what I mean? It, or I just, it sounded terrible. Yeah. It was like, what is this band doing at this show? This is yep. ridiculous. And the crowd just hated them. And the the hatred built and built till it started getting like, hostile towards them and they were throwing shit at them 
and then that's when my just my natural instinct for the underdog kicked in and i'm watching it and then i see all these i mean southern california punk scene at that point i mean it's just morons you know 95 percent of the crowd was morons it was it was hard it was hard to be in a punk music in southern california because it was so so violent and stupid right so that starts happening and then all of a sudden my brain started going oh and and also calvin just never batted an eyelash he didn't not he never even said anything back to them he just almost became this like menacing figure like it's hard to describe you know calvin so yeah. i don't have to explain to you yeah but he just became so he was so focused on what he was doing and it was almost otherworldly how he didn't let it affect him and then that's when i mean it changed the way i thought about music especially about what's punk you yeah, know yeah. what i mean totally. and i went oh this is the punkest thing i've ever seen in my life like there this band is the punk band yeah. and that it changed everything and it was crazy and then who knew in five years I'd be working for him? I know, and it's it, dude, it's funny because I actually, uh, oh, speaking of, we're at the top of the hour, uh, so I do want to say you're listening to X Ray FM at KXRY Portland at ninety one point one and one hundred seven point one FM, and at Nahalem, Wheeler, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at ninety one point seven FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Um, the the thing that I love about that and and the thing that I appreciate I still remember um, there was that time where where Ian was actually in the office and um, and uh, it was Fugazi had just played the Capitol Theater I want to say it, it must have been ninety eight maybe ninety nine yeah. and I remember I, I think you were there for this too where there was this conversation about how you know because you know Calvin and Ian and Henry Rollins had all gone to high school together for that a time, so crazy. which is such a crazy thing to think about. And I <laughs> remember really like, I remember like the conversation uh, that was happening. Um, and I think three that, people who could not be less alike. Oh my God. <laughs> not, not at all. Um, but I remember, I think that actually the first time I heard you tell that story was coming off of, I remember they were having a conversation about how Calvin was like the weirdo in their high school. Mm -hmm. You know, these are like, you know, you've got Henry who's, you know, Henry and you've got Ian who, you know, the Ian, I think that we all know through music, uh, from minor threat up through Fugazi and beyond is probably not the Ian that was in high school. I mean, it was like a version of him, but he was like probably kind of from what I can tell, like kind of just like a nerdy skateboarder kid, like, you know, so many people were, um, and then you got Calvin, who's, you know, always Calvin. And they even talked about how even then, you know, in D.C., it's like, you know, punk was was not, uh, you know, like Minor Threat had not certainly come out and made a statement about like kind of who they were, you know, bad brains, you know, like were in their infancy and like all these things are happening. And Calvin, even in their words, was like kind of the most punk kid of all of them yeah. because he was like the weirdo who like wore like a purple bandana I remember yeah. or whatever you know um, I, I might actually be re misremembering that it was the purple bandana because I think he used to wear that around, uh, I think he was wearing that on his leg on that same tour when I saw Fugazi in 91 with Beat Happening because um, it was 91 I think wasn't I think it? so yeah um, 
because I remember uh, it was like Nirvana had happened. Uh, you know, I think Beat Happening had just put out You Turn Me On on, mm. on Sub Pop. You know, it was like they're like, mm. oh, we're going to. When they know, sold out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when you know, uh, when, when Sub Pop was like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, you know who we're going to turn the kids on to? Madly, lover, madly, though you. No, that's, that was never. That, Calvin impression. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You put a microphone this close to my mouth. It sort of <laughs> just comes naturally. Like Calvin. I know it's so true. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah. Speaking of Calvin, actually, um, before we get into the second hour, and we're going to kind of talk through your own kind of personal uh, journey in music and play some songs. Um, the you know, it's funny. I definitely went uh, down the path in the early '90s, and actually, largely, you know, kind of uh, spurred on by Fugazi into you know what. And certainly was was a music that was like just boiling up uh, where I was in the Midwest into kind of like what, unfortunately, for lack of a better uh, dirty three letter word, became known as emo. Um, and uh, this band was a record. Uh, this was a record that um, you know was very much unlike a K record, um, but I absolutely was blown away by the first time I heard it when it came out um, in '94, and then found the actually i think i had some of the singles before that um and uh, i actually have really uh complicated memories of this band because uh you know sam jane and i when i first met him i didn't i didn't like him very much at all um and then we came to be really good friends and i think i didn't like him very much because i was too excited about what his band was doing and i think uh when you're in an emo band in the in the 90s i think everybody's too excited about what you're doing um mm. and i think sam didn't really know how to kind of you know yeah after i got to know him i don't thing. think that yeah he really knew how to kind of wrestle with that um and now it's tragic that um that he's gone cuz he was a he was a truly wonderful person and a brilliant musician i think yeah it's the worst um but I still, to this day, absolutely love this band, love this record, and um, it's uh, certainly not the best record this label ever put out, but is still the one that is, uh, you know, still, I don't know, the one that I that I reach for even uh, with, you know, all of them in my uh, in my collection uh, because I stole them all, Calvin. That's uh, not true, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. Um, so anyway, this is Link. Um, this goes back to Sean and I's origin story and will lead us into this next hour of talking about Sean's journey through music and, um, you know, hopefully some really good radio. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, you're listening to Punk House on X-Ray. This is Link. It would help if I actually put on the record. Ha ha. I know. Um, <laughs> Focus. Get your head in the game. <laughs> You know, if there's ever anything I've wanted to do on live radio, it's cue up a record. Um, I'm gonna like run it back a couple times. Do you want me to do some of my my raps? You like, could while you could, you're you could do, you could do your raps. You could definitely do your raps. <laughs> that would definitely be the way to make sure that the uh, the uh, you know the seventh of the eighth listeners we have right now are are going to tune out. What are you trying to say? Here comes Link. That's a classic, it's not you, it's me moment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. You're listening to uh, X-Ray FM. This is Link.
witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, world stops turning ashes where the body's burning no more war pigs of the power and as God has struck the hour day of judgment God is calling a 
Underneath the war pigs crawling Begging mercies for the sins Satan laughing spreads his wings Oh Lord, yeah.
Man, you know, I have to say, uh, hell yeah, making jokes about uh, all the uh, sort of hair metal time in my life. Thankfully, that actually led me into bands like ACDC because they kind of got lumped in that that same category and like <laughs> in what what category? Uh, in uh, in metal. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, well, in in what what certainly not because you know later on I was into uh, a very different version of metal. Well, their like, whole their whole story was getting lumped into things that they actually weren't. Like they were originally everyone that like the media wanted couldn't think of any place to put them but punk. Yeah, but and they hated being referred to as a punk band. Like they were always just like. We're a rock band. We're not a punk band. We're a rock band. And then when they were, then it was metal. And then they were a metal band. Then we're like, we're not a metal band. We're a rock band. We've right, been trying yeah. to tell you forever. But I feel like they're way more of a punk band than a metal band. Like they're just raw. And they were, they were kind of like they were the first band. Well, well, Black Sabbath was yeah. was the first band that I remember as a kid that kind of introduced me to like anti-establishment messaging and sure. working class issues you know but acdc just was the embodiment of that like like they create that's why they you know they created delinquents because <laughs> as soon as you hear it you're like hey wait a minute i mean everything's messed up <laughs> honestly that's that's why i feel like english music has always been so wonderful is like they've always been like looking back like it's always been about blow it all apart you know what i mean outside of like when you know well you know the beatles and their their early well, days of, australian well i know but i they're but part they, of the empire they are part <laughs> of the empire and i feel like they often uh sort of get mistaken as a uk band and they certainly were embraced by the uk and well a they huge moved there way. they moved to to england just to so that they could get exposure because they were just they were huge in australia but no one heard of them anywhere else. Well, and it's funny because actually that's sort of happening again. Like it's interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of one of the cool things about doing the show is that there are a lot of uh, bands that, you know, are listening in in places like Australia and England and Scotland um, that send me their records, um, you know, that I, I play as much as I possibly can, which is rad. And it's cool that there are things like Bandcamp and uh, these places that you can go and support artists directly um, that I can refer people to. Um, but it really was like, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand, those places were sort of annexed from all of it. And it, one of the things I, I like to talk about on this show in particular is like, uh, you know, the what was happening in Australia and especially in New Zealand with like the Flying Nun oh, yeah, and that whole yeah. scene, like in the in the early 1980s was so interesting and so kind of running parallel to what was happening in the UK oh, and yeah. then what was happening in America but also kind of again weirdly annexed until the moments that like you know the Verlaines like had their sort right. of you know but um I love the chills I love the chills too oh, it's such a great band um yeah, but I uh, never even heard of the chills until super chunk covered one of their songs and I was like that's my favorite super chunk song and then I'm like oh no it's this <laughs> other band oh my god <laughs> Super Chunk's still out there doing it yeah, too, you know, good for, like, good uh, for them. you know, and I will say, uh, you know, ACDC is, is a great sort of, uh, kind of parallel to, um, you know, the early years of, of you and I and our friendship is, uh, you know, I, I really feel like, and of course the press, uh, and everyone else told you at the time that, uh, when you were in the band tight Rose, right? Like mm. that was so much about channeling that same kind of well, that, yeah that's what it was that's what like when we it was there was a concept to that band you know what i mean like 
we just were all like older punk dudes. Well, some of us were. Some of some of the people in the band were very young. Our drummer, I think, was 18. <laughs> and and we're we were puka shells. <laughs> yeah, and our whole thing was like there was this whole like rock resurgence happening in the late 90s. Yeah. And we, you know, it was all like, it was all just stupid like image shit like hot rods and and strippers and rock and roll and cigarettes and whiskey and we were like no that's that's not what it is it's it's just raw and real and that's what we want to do we're like okay well let's stop complaining about it and and do it and i think i think we did it pretty well you did it very well i mean i and i will say it was funny uh realizing of course uh you know uh, Quiddy and Dave coming off of Behead the Prophet and sort of like the the most incredible hardcore. Band. Oh my god! Like yeah. the absolutely without a doubt yeah, one of the greatest hardcore yeah. bands, um, live or otherwise, but especially incredible. live. I mean, absolutely. But it's funny because you know Joshua, I've, one of the best sing- hardcore singers ever. Absolutely, um, also amazing. one of the strangest, most wonderful people I've ever known. Um, but I remember, uh, you know, I first met Quiddy when he was uh, in a band called Honey Bucket. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And I was, uh, I was in Olympia for the summer that year. I was, uh, I mean, that must have been 90, it was probably 90 or 91, maybe 90. Um, and they played at an old venue that was uh, behind the Capitol Theater, theater called the Uncola, which right. was actually still one of the greatest Olympia venues. Um, and... Uh, it was funny, you know, like I had seen Quiddy, you know, in that band, I had seen him in other bands and certainly Behead the Prophet. But the thing that was so amazing about Tight Bros was it was like that thing where it was like everybody knew that Jared could be a front man. Like everyone knew that Jared, you know, based on like kind of Carp having that weird. I mean, we both remember working at K like Carp fan mail was the greatest fan mail oh, you would yeah. ever get because it was like from like <laughs> the most bizarre. Oh, yeah. Like, how have you possibly discovered this band? Yeah, you got all the people who were into metal and punk, but didn't fit into anything either of those things they were just the weird too weird for either of those things and carp represented them and they, they were cer- so amazing and it's so funny that they were like on k because like none of those people had ever bought a softies record i'll tell you yeah, that much um but uh but i remember like the first time uh when when you guys started playing and the first time i saw you play and i was like oh my god like quitty and dave are like shredders like you know and it was like but it made sense like you know on some level especially you know quitty who i knew better and you know still in in, you know tight with as we both are um you know he he grew up like loving the same stuff oh yeah he was he was a hair metal dude 100 percent. he was a metal dude total metal but he but then he was also totally went totally into the punk scene after when he i don't know when he got into it but after metal, he was, you know, he's, it was like us all. I mean, I was never into metal, but he was he was the metal part of oh, the for equation. Sure. For sure. Oh, <laughs> for without sure. a doubt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so coming back totally the other direction for this next track, um, I actually also very much like have a huge fondness for not only this band, but certainly this song and this cover in particular. Yeah, so, well, how it, how it got the, the story up to there is just like, you know, just going back to what we just played, like I, of course, like when I, like I was talking about, grew up physical uh, American graffiti soundtrack, rock and roll, and then it was the Beatles. Then I heard the Beatles, and that was it. 
Like in elementary school, they called me the Beatles kid. That's awesome. Because I was just obsessed. And I only listened to the Beatles, I mean, for years. I'm now picturing a, a like a fourth grade you with a page boy haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it kind, kind of was. Um, but, uh, uh, and then I it's just naturally, after Beatles goes into Rolling Stones, you know? Yeah. And, and then I only listened to the Rolling Stones. And then I discovered Kiss. And that was it was over like when kiss happened that music was all i cared about they changed everything and then that went into acdc and black sabbath and that's when i totally started becoming a problem for my parents <laughs> you know what i mean yep. and then that led me and it like opened my mind that's why i always i always think of acdc and black sabbath more as punk bands than definitely not metal bands yeah even though they both absolutely got lumped into it. And in the case of Black Sabbath, they did become like just a metal band. But they were, they just represented the, you know, they were anti-establishment. You yeah. know what I mean? That was their whole, that's where the they ethos. were coming from. Yeah. yeah. And so that kind of, I think, just opened my mind. And I remember I used to, I was obsessed with music at that point. And I think right when this next song we're about to play, this was what this is what this was the pivot moment when I heard this this changed everything I didn't even know music could be like this and this put me on the direct track towards getting into punk and and music that was not the mainstream and I I used to there used to be a, this show I was living in Toronto Canada at the time and they had an incredibly progressive uh radio culture like they had like three radio stations that played everything played the Ramones played the Clash I'd never heard any of those bands that's where I heard about them and they had this show called the new music which played music videos which I had never seen either it was incredible but I also used to wake up I would get up at in at whatever time Saturday Night Live came on back then in like 1977 and I would sneak down and watch Saturday Night Live in our yeah. like TV room, like at eleven thirty, and like when everyone, my parents were asleep, and I would just watch it for because it was funny, you know what I mean, and I loved it. And then I would see, you know, I'd always watch the bands and stuff, and they were, you know, it was all bands of the day. But then this one time I was watching it, this band came on, and it was Devo, and they played. Uh, their cover of Stone's Satisfaction and it blew my mind. I did not understand at all what I was seeing, I was, but I was completely just mesmerized by it. And I'll never forget, like, after, everything changed after seeing that because all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's music too? That's crazy. What is that? I'm, I want that. Yep. And then, so, here it is. And I have to say, uh, you know, what's one of the cool things about this band is I remember um, I was a huge fan of this band from the moment I heard them um, quite a bit after that because 77 is when I was born. Um, but, uh, but, I, uh, but I remember, like, the first time I heard this band, again, I heard them in the context of, like, MTV, right? right. Like, and it was like Whip, Whip It, it yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but then as I kind of delved further into it, I was like, this band is so sub subversive and so not what they're playing 
on you know any of the MTV video programs that are playing. It's crazy Whip it. that they got huge, like that they were popular. It's, it's so weird, and but it's, it's cool. amazing. One of the coolest things about them too is that um you know they were uh, some of them were uh, Cleveland Institute of Art. Uh, students mm. and um, when my friend Phil uh, Lynham uh, graduated from high school he went to uh, you know CIA and he would send me photos again not on a camera phone this was you know 1994 so he would send them to me or 93 excuse me he would like you know take photos and then send them to me in the mail of all of the de-evolution um, they had actually you know Mark Mothersbaugh and multiple members of the band during their time there had actually like taken like when the cement was wet and did the like <laughs> finger and it would it said like de-evolution so cool. 1975 which Maybe. is so rad um, but anyway without further ado this is uh, one of the greatest uh, covers ever by any band of any song and one of the greatest bands ever in my opinion this is Devo Set 
long and long Long and long We are back. Um, while I queue up this next record, um, let you talk a little bit about, uh, of course, the Clash, and then maybe give a lead up to what we're going to hear next. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean those those last three songs were pretty much a product of that time in Canada and those radio stations, and just kind of getting introduced to what became punk <laughs> for me because I didn't really, I hadn't heard about it at that point, and like the police were considered I mean they were they were like gateway punk for me <laughs> and the and the clash I mean clash were punk but they were played on the radio as if they were just like a like a a big mainstream band in Canada and the Ramones that was I discovered the Ramones in at during that time too and Which then funny because uh, that's like the most quintessential probably American punk band in some ways you know yeah oh absolutely I mean but they were, yeah, I mean, it, it was, that was a weird time because they, that was like 1979, I think. And yeah. they were well established at that point. You know what I mean? That, yeah. So, but it was like, there were those cities. There was Los Angeles, London, New York that were considered like the centers of where new music, where new music was happening. But it, what's underrated is that so was Toronto, but it was Canada. So no one knows. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, they no, were, exactly. it was huge. It was so like, musically progressive but yeah and then i and then when i went back to when i ended up going back to san diego then that's when punk hit me and i i went back and i was just really alienated when i moved back there because i had i had moved i had lived in san diego but then i moved around the world and then came back and when i came back in in i think it was like ninth or tenth grade all of my friends from before they didn't want anything to do with me so i was really yeah. super isolated and that was the gateway to punk. <laughs> and I remember this kid that lived around the corner from me. He wasn't even a punker, but he was he was just into weird stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, he yeah, had right, Mexican right. murder mags and porn <laughs> and and he had just weird music. And some of the records he had were were these records and I'd never heard of them. I didn't know really about like American punk it. I was I'd listened to the cure and stuff like this all just getting ready for it and then I was such like a you know I was just an isolated disaffected kid at that time and he had Black Flag and these next two records I don't have the Black Flag record here or that's what I'd be playing but 
Um, these other two records he had and he just gave them to me he goes oh you want to hear some weird stuff check this out and it was it was Dead Kennedy's Fresh Fruit and X Los Angeles and it's so funny because they just seem like the most like just just how do you describe what they the different they were so scary at the time and now I listen to them and they're just like just like good old like yeah, rock right. and yeah, roll exactly but at the time like dead kennedy's it freaked me out in los angeles too just the subject matter them singing about prostitutes and drug addiction i was just like you know for 13 or 14 however old i was and i was like scandalized but it changed my life and then that was it <laughs> then so i was awesome off but yeah so well uh and that's gonna you know these next two tracks are gonna sort of uh well at least uh track and a half is gonna wrap up our evening Sean, thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, I thanks really, for having me. Dude, I want to have you on here again. Uh, we've been talking about this forever. I'm so glad it finally happened. Um, speaking of things that I uh, will talk about ad nauseum, we are, in the, uh, we are in the final days of the Big City Radio Show, and uh, there's uh, nothing I'm going to miss more in my adult life than uh, not only seeing Sean every week, but certainly hearing his voice on the airwaves. And so uh, without further ado we're going to get into our last two tracks for the evening and i want to do uh say hello and uh give a shout out to mr sean swaggerty do stick around the big city radio show is up next it is here for a limited time only but on the archives forever so if you've missed it for somehow the last uh decade go back uh there's plenty to uh enjoy including these next two tracks. This is the Dead Kennedys with the song Funland at the Beach, which is a sort of a perfect uh, moving back to California song. So well done. Thanks again, Sean, for uh, coming in. Thanks again for listening in, everyone. It was and a pleasure. We will uh, talk to you all soon. Big City Radio Show is up next.